Good morning. This is the Real Estate for Breakfast podcast. I'm your host, Philip Coover. I'm a partner in Ice Miller's Real Estate Practice Group. Today we have with us Sarah Canella, who is uh, the Director of Property Management Operations at NAI Hiffman. Sarah, thanks for coming on the show. Hi, Philip. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, we're really excited. We haven't had anyone from NAI Hiffman on and Hiffman National, and um, I have a few good personal and professional friends and colleagues who have worked with for many years at the company. And I, I think the world of the company So I'm really excited to, to feature the company and, and to have you on. And um, so with that, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Hiffman and, and your role? Sure. So Hiffman is a full service, privately owned commercial real estate and management firm. So NAI Hiffman, you'll see out in the market, and that is our leasing arm of the company. And Hiffman National is our management services arm. Um, so in 2018, we branded Hiffman National as we were once all NAI Hiffman. And in 2018, we branded Hiffman National solely as our management services arm. Um, so today, Hiffman National, we um, operate in 20, across 27 states in the U.S. We've had really exponential growth over the last three years. It's been really, really exciting for us. Um, today, we represent over 80 million square feet. Right now, we're over 2,500 tenants. Um, so, yeah, we, we're, we're, like I mentioned, are really on the cusp of some great growth, and um, it's really an, an exciting place to be. Yeah, and today we're going to talk about ESG. Uh, which is, I think is really, it's great to have Hiffman on, but because it's privately owned, I feel like you can do things that have more meaning than just the bottom line than a publicly traded company. And mm -hmm. so I feel that, you know, taking care of their own employees, just like doing things that somebody who's responsible, whose sole primary responsibility is the shareholders may not do. Um, but there's lots of good business reasons for ESG as well. So I don't mean to just say it that way. Um, and it's, it's, it is being demanded by many publicly traded companies. So yeah, why don't you tell us about your role specifically and then we can kind of get into the ESG. Sure, so my role is the Director of Property Management Operations here. Um, I have actually been at Hiffman since 2012. Um, I started here as a property assistant, coming over not knowing much about real estate and I think have certainly kind of bloomed where I was planted. Um, I started out on the management side. I managed, um, I worked on managing some industrial buildings here in the Chicago suburbs, some office and then ended up after a few years moving downtown and managed um, a large retail center in the South Loop and an office building. Um, and in 2015, there was a position that opened up for more for kind of corporate operations that really intrigued me as far as formalizing processes as we were growing, formalizing training as we were growing. We were moving on from more of just a kind of, oh, hey, word of mouth, here's how you do things into more of a customizable approach that as we're customizing things, as we're improving our processes and procedures, there's needs to be some formality around this. And that to me, that that's really my wheelhouse. So I moved into that role in 2015 and it was really just wonderful timing because that was really on the cusp of some of the organic national growth that we were seeing. A lot of clients were taking us to places outside of the Midwest um, and we kind of piggybacked and um, really capitalized on that growth and have made some strategic decisions of where we have set up. So whether that's in Houston, Texas, or Tampa, Florida, or Ohio, uh, or Nevada, my main role on my team is to ensure that that same Hiffman National 
product is showing up in those states. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, we are privately owned, we, we are fully customizable. So the best part of my job is I get to work with a team of some really, really smart people who have some really great ideas. We can talk about that today as it relates to ESG and putting those into play. And it's really, really fun to see that reach and to see it show up across the nation. Yeah, yeah. No, what do you all attribute to the explosive growth that you've had? I think I think there's something different about Hiffman and Hiffman National. I think we like to say that we are really that top alternative firm to the big national players. So, um, you know, we 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 can definitely play with 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 the big guys. Um, but that, I think we keep coming back to that customizability. But we are built that way that we take a different approach. We know that it's not a one size fits all for every client that comes into play. And we really have a good understanding around that and what it's going to take to give our clients what they need as demands from their stakeholders and their investors are changing. We're right there with them, um, ready to customize our platform, customize the way that they see their accounting reports, customizing the um, really the way that ESG plays out for them. We're kind of there at their right hand and we're really invested in making sure that you know, we're not just delivering a one size fits all platform and we're getting an understanding around what our clients need and what it's going to take for us to get there with them. Nice. And what types of products do you manage? I know I personally know that you're you know, very heavily into industrial real estate. And- Heavy into industrial, especially here in, in the Midwest, which has played out really well since since COVID, as we all know, that has certainly has boomed. Um, but really, really everything except multifamily um, office. Retail, we have a lot of national retail assignments and medical as well. Very nice. I've heard ESG in the past couple of years come up as a phrase, and I didn't know a lot about it. And then, you know, you mentioning it or not mentioning, you being a proponent of it in real estate was very unique to me. You're the leading person. There's a word for that. Trailblazer is one, but like a first, first mover. Uh, lots of lots of good phrases for that, but tell us what it is first for those that don't know. Because I I have found I've asked a couple of people this week if they know what it is, and I get, I get of course, and I get what like there's yeah I think I think the one piece about ESG is there are so many conversations around it. There is so much information out there on ESG that it becomes overwhelming. That when you're asked a simple question on what it is, people can take completely different paths with it. Um, And you'll hear a different answer from everybody. But I think in its simplest term, ESG is a way that um, stakeholders, investors, partners can look at their company or other companies outside of just what what does the bottom line look like and evaluate a company based on what impact are they leaving on the environment and what impact are they leaving on society. So ESG, consists of three pillars and those the e stands for environmental the s stands for social and the g stands for governance and within each of these each of those pillars are made up of different strategies and ways that these company that companies are being asked to say what what are you doing again to leave your mark on the environment what are you doing to leave your mark on society um, so that you are kind of this sustainable player in, in in, in the nation, in the world, and in our ecosystem. Right. So I, I, I've heard it like in the corporate setting when they're 
companies are talking about like what are we doing for the environment, social governance, and, and the various components. But how are you using it in the real estate setting? So it's interesting for us because I think um, we probably first heard the word ESG about three years ago, and it was brought up in. We, and I'm sure a lot of other competitive firms didn't know what it was. And we were told, um, well, you're going to learn what it is because it's coming and it's coming to the U.S. And there's going to be a lot of requirements, a lot of requirements from lenders um, from overseas. So if we if we can kind of back up and I can give you a little bit of history on ESG and how it really came about and, and where we are today. So ESG really got its start actually in Europe in the 1960s. So many European countries are far ahead of the United States as far as ESG and sustainability go. So we are certainly playing catch up. But when you shift over to the United States, um, in the 1970s in the US, there were fuel shortages, there were oil embargoes, there were lots of cities with just really poor environmental conditions, smog, you know, with Everyone who's a Chicagoan knows about um, the, the, the rivers catching on fire in Chicago in that time. So in that time, we found, you know, there was a needed improvement, a needed plan for improvement. And that's when the EPA was established by the U.S. government and environmental regulations started to get enacted. So we started to kind of see the shift into this concern for, you know, the impact of, of us and what we were doing to our environment. Um, the 1980s, there was a concern for social, um, that social and governance concern really started coming up. That's when OSHA was developed. And there was a lot of concern around labor practices and how people going to work were being kept safe. The 1990s, we moved and we saw, you know, more attention around ESG with global the GRI, which is a global reporting initiative that you see a lot with ESG, where these companies, you can go on a a lot of these publicly traded companies, company websites and see that they are producing reports saying, here's what we're doing to leave a positive impact on the environment. And here's how great we treat our people. Um, that is a commonplace now um, with that GRI uh, that has really become adopted across across the U.S. Um, in the early 2000s, the U.N. Um, established a global compact that called for companies to adopt principles based on human rights. So that's back to that social piece, labor practices. So we just, we are seeing a lot more governance around what companies are doing. Um, and then we kind of come into the 2010s and that where there, when there, where there was a lot of conversation around things like climate change. And then we all know the 2020s very well um, when COVID came about. And I think that's really where ESG has has really been solidified as it's kind of here to stay in the U.S. With COVID, everyone was worried about healthy buildings, making sure that people, again, were safe and healthy going to work in healthy workplaces. Um, seals on buildings were really important, and that all centers around ESG. So those are all things that at certain times, certainly in COVID, there was a demand for these certain ESG practices from tenants. Since then, it's certainly still important for tenants, but what we're really seeing with our clients, with our with our institutional clients, is if they have stakeholders or they have investors and money coming from overseas, especially in Europe, um, that is where they are really presenting these requirements to any other stakeholder. So we're seeing it today come up in management agreements for our institutional clients before we even sign a management agreement. They have a whole exhibit on ESG and what we should be doing to carry out practices that are reflective of theirs and they are ensuring that, hey, if you're going to partner with us, these are the things that you have to be doing. 
And for us, we have to think about, they, they want to make sure that, yes, we want these practices to be showing up at our buildings in your operational plans and the way that you're running our buildings. And we want our tenants to be seeing this, but we also want to know what you're doing internally that we might not be seeing every day. We want to ensure that that you're growing your people, that you have all these things in place, because again, we want to be partnering with partners who are like-minded and have these ESG practices in place because our investors are really, they say we have to. So that's kind of a summary of how we got here, why we're here today, and I think really why it's here to, to stay. Yeah, and I think you're on the forefront of it. So that has to help your growth. I would imagine it helps at least in two general areas. One, if you're pitching your property management services to a company that owns the real estate and you want to be their property manager and they have ESG requirements from their stakeholders, their investors, and if you can speak to that, I'm sure. sure that's like a major component of their decision making. And then also, does it does it help for the ownership of a property? Let's say they own a big industrial park and they're trying to attract tenants. Does it help when they're when a tenant is company because a tenant is just a company and maybe it's a publicly traded company that has a ton of stuff and they're trying to pick between your industrial park that you manage and some other industrial park is where they're put the, their huge operation. If you can speak to that at your property, then it probably helps them pick your, the property that you're managing because you're you're focused on that. Absolutely, it, it certainly helps our leasing efforts as well. Um, and it, it helps for our clients to partner with someone who is there with these proactive solutions kind of on an a la carte basis. You know, here's what we've done before here. Here's what you can do. And I think the other pieces, our clients are coming in and saying, I have all this money to spend or I have no money to spend, but you still need to be implementing these same practices. So it's forcing us to get creative um, with that as well. Yeah. And just uh, some little side story is I, a couple of years ago, I had a corporate partner that had a client that was doing a big industrial facility in Mexico. And that was the first time I realized that the leases there have different components to it because they, I was asked to review it. We had Mexican council and beside from it was both in Spanish and English. The other thing that jumped out at me was there's huge sections about energy conservation. You had to report the energy that you were using and the landlord did too. And you had to work to minimize the energy that was used. I'm like, Oh, like yep. this is incredible. I never I've never seen a provision like this. In a- yeah, that's, so that's a green lease. And those and they call that a green lease. And those are those are we're seeing those more and more. So I think when you look at the different product types, office is it's it's typically a little bit easier to implement energy efficiency, HVAC efficiency. There, there's kind of some more low-hanging fruit. And also you typically have a client who's on board with spending. The dollars there because it's commonplace in office. That's how you're attracting your tenants there. Some things that used to be an amenity are just part of the baseline there that you have to offer to get your tenants in the building and owners are prepared to spend that money. Then you move over to industrial and it's a whole new game. My team and I, we just we were just talking. We just finished a every year we 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 survey all of our Hiffman tenants and 
we asked a question this year about sustainability and is sustainability important to you? And we asked it for all of our asset classes, industrial, office, retail. And typically what we see is office is usually office kind of carries that carries that stat and is pretty heavy on our office tenants want it. This year, our industrial tenants met the interest of our office tenants in ESG. So there's a shift there. And it's, again, forcing us to think about, okay, now we're an industrial built an industrial building. You just mentioned, and this is the most difficult piece. In an office building, a landlord typically manages all the common areas and the, and the tenant is responsible for everything within their four walls. In the industrial building, there is, in more cases than not, there's really no common areas and the tenant is still managing everything within their four walls. So that means the tenant is controlling the HVAC, the tenant is controlling their utility usage, and in a lot of these leases, before these green leases have come about, they're not required to report any of that information. Of course, we manage those relationships and, and, and there are certainly tenants who will give that to you, but there are some larger tenants who simply say, no, we don't have to get that to you from our lease. And you have an industrial tenant who wants to get this building Energy Star certified or BREEAM certified or LEED certified, and you need that information to get these certifications. So there's loopholes here that everyone is now realizing, well, hey, if we want to apply some of these practices to industrial, there's going to, it's, it's, it's a little tougher than it is for office. It's not just plug and play, and we've got to come up with these solutions around that like green leases to, to make this work. Interesting. Interesting. So tell us what you're, what you're doing for ESG and you can, you don't have to go E and then S and then G you can, you can take it, whatever, whatever word you'd like. Yeah, I think, so some of the things that we're doing that are one thing that we, we recently just did, and we, a lot of times we're looking at kind of, again, these low cost and no cost approaches. Um, so we recently just did a mass bid here in the Midwest for over 300 buildings for landscaping. And we thought this year, you know, of course, now we can bring our clients and our tenancy efficiencies and pricing. But what if we took a step back and looked at our spec and said, how can we make our landscaping program more sustainable? What are things that we can be doing that we can be implementing at our buildings that fulfill this E piece of ESG. Um, so some of the, so we took a few months, we sat down with a few of our trusted landscapers and talked through this. And there's, there's a lot of low hanging fruit out there. And I think this is, as an aside, I think this is something that a lot of providers can do. You can stop and take a step back and say, okay, there's a, probably a lot of things that you're already implementing in a way that you can be tweaking or, you know, just working on to make sure that it does fit back into that ESG kind of those pillars. So with the landscaping, the things that we've changed in our spec is, you know, now we are asking our landscapers to be going out and doing a routine inspection of your irrigation system to make sure that nothing is leaking. Um, that's helping with the water conservation piece. Switching to single application fertilizers that slowly release nutrients into um, the turf and into your plants over time, rather than having someone come out, spray chemicals every day, those are going into the air, they're being ingested by work or by worker by workers, excuse me. Um, there's a lot of runoff from that into the sewers and back into um, the water. I think that we have now put into our spec as a piece that's a requirement here for Hiffman. Another interesting one that everyone kind of gets a chuckle out of is when you you can do this at home too. When you are mowing your lawn and you're bagging that grass, 
it's actually more beneficial to leave those grass clippings on your lawn because the nutrients from the grass that you just cut releases back into the soil. So those are things that not now that's not going to work at a class A office building. Yeah. It definitely won't work work here where we have, you know, our Hiffman board members sitting here and they see grass clippings and I'm going to tell them, that, oh, we just leave them there because the nutrients goes back into the soil. Not going to work, but it will work at some industrial buildings, certainly some vacant buildings. And also then all of that, all of that compost that you're then dumping into landfills is eliminated as well. So those are some things that we're working on kind of some creative solutions there. We can spend a whole podcast on landscaping, but there's autonomous mowers out there now. A lot of our landscapers have moved to all electric equipment that when they're inside those trailers and you see those trailers on the streets, they're actually wrapped in solar paneling and charging those pieces of equipment as they're driving from location to location. So So really, really cool stuff that if you just stop and ask the questions and try to get these things implemented at your buildings, again, some of those are actually low cost and actually could be saving your owner, your owner's bottom line by planting native plants instead of switching out plants every single season. Those plants don't take as much water. There's so many solutions out there. I think sometimes people think ESG and they immediately think about their bottom line and how it's going to impact it. And that's not the case. Yeah, no, that's super interesting. I I didn't even, that's, I've heard that leaf blowers in like residential neighborhoods run on gas are just horrible Mm -hmm. for the environment. Like they're like way worse than driving your car around. Like they're just terrible. So if you can get electric leaf blowers out there, I mean, that alone would be tremendous benefit for the environment. And you're right, because some municipalities have already recognized that and how detrimental some of this equipment is and putting these greenhouse gases back out into the environment, that some municipalities say you cannot use gas-powered equipment. Some up north here of north of the city will say that, that you have to use electric equipment. Yeah, yeah, super interesting. Is there any more you want to cover on the environmental side or do you want to move on to one of the other components? Yeah, I think I think the environmental side is really where a lot of people focus. There's a lot everyone knows about, you know, efficiencies in HVAC, um, electric car charging stations are, are, are big and coming. I think I think the one piece that I don't want to fail to mention here is, again, thinking about number one, of course, in the the how positive it is to be putting some of these things at your buildings like electric electric car charging stations or solar panels on your roofs right that's that's a knockout of the park for the the e part of an uh, of esg but the the other side of the coin there is there's something to explore as for the landlord as far as another stream of income on so things like solar panels and electric car charging stations for example so there's programs out there today with these electric car charging stations where if you install one at your building no matter if you're an office building retail building industrial building and you allow the general public to come to your building and and plug in um, a piece of that a piece of whatever they're charging whoever the person is putting that port into their car a piece of that is coming can't can come back to the landlord if you set it up that way Um, you also probably see those electric car charging stations with ads on them, that's just another increased piece of revenue for the landlord. So there's many different ways that landlords can go with this. And um, it's really, really, that's why it's really important to be partnering with someone who's number one, educated on that, but isn't going to stop educating themselves because there's, 
it's almost like drinking out of fire out of a fire hose with all the solutions coming to ESG um, through ESG. So I, I think it's that's why it's just important to, to know your partner and make sure that they are on top of the trends and on top of what's out there and available. Oh, super interesting. And then um, I imagine for governance, you know, a lot of it is just hiring Hithman. Like that, and that kind of solves that component. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for the plug there. But yeah, I think it's, it's super important to, like I mentioned, make sure that you're partnering with the right partner, whomever that is, um, and make sure that they have the policies in place to support whatever, you know, whatever the requirements are. I think customizability is very important. I think the big piece, what we're doing a little bit different here with the governance is we have found someone in our firm on our team who has a true passion for ESG. So he, he in his personal life, he, he does not order from Amazon. He has planted native plants in his yard. He bought an electric mower. Um, we were joking actually today about the amount of wash that, that we do changing, changing sheets from our, on our kids' beds. And I told him like, does this, does this bother you? He's like, oh yeah, you know, it makes my heart hurt because he's truly passionate about ESG. And he came to me probably last year around this time. Um, we set goals for everybody at the beginning of the year and we sit down with them mid-year and talk about um, the, what, what they're achieving and, and we help and kind of foster that career growth. And he said, hey, you know, actually I, I, I want to change one of my goals. I really would like to take over ESG on the management platform. And I want to start a task force and I want to start a committee. And I have all these ideas of things that we can be doing um, to really implement ESG across the platform. And he presented me with just this really, really great outline of all these ideas that he has and how he wants to carry it out. And he is a perfect example of someone who, again, is he is drinking out of that fire hose with all that information that's coming in. And I think that's a big piece because you can establish your policies today and in a week or they're going to be different. There's going to need to be something there. So today, that was a year ago. And today where he's working towards certain certifications that we're supportive of him getting. And um, a big part of his role is leading that task force, talking to our clients about what we can do and, and what we can put in place for them with ESG. He's talking to tenants um, we're giving tenant solutions as well. And he's getting other people at our firm involved who are also passionate. And that is where a lot of these great ideas and the things that we're implementing come from. That's awesome. That's super cool. Don't you love it when somebody just comes to you with like a, a well thought out plan is like, I'm passionate about this. Here's what I want to do. And here's the whole outline of how I want it. That like never happened. I love it. I'm like, this is picture perfect. I want to frame it. And this is, but he's carrying it out and, and it, it really has, has been awesome. I certainly am, am passionate about it and I know that it's important, but you know, I, 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 right now in my role, I don't have the time to sit down and, and read through things and make sense of it. And we've given him that space to do that. And it has, it has paid off immensely. Oh, that's really great. Is there anything else you want to touch on for any of these components? You know, I think just on the S, some of the things that I think we're seeing and we're trying to work around too is the requirements of our clients' partners, partners, if that makes sense. So, you know, now we're seeing requirements of 30% of the of the vendors that you engage have to be minority owned or women owned or LGBTQ owned. And we're seeing that. So we, you know, we have had to make sure that we're adopting our processes and when we're screening out vendors, 
we're asking them those questions. We're providing our folks with, hey, here's five landscapers that are approved for you to use at Hiffman. And here's some information on the ESG side of if they're minority owned or women owned, et cetera. So, you know, of our of our 60 plus clients that we have here on the management side, everyone is a little bit different in that realm of ESG. So we need to make sure that we're catering to all of our 100 and 100 plus people on our on our side and our employees, but, you know, making it easy to do their jobs, but and also allowing them to fulfill those requirements. So that's a piece too that we're seeing. Um, and I think the other piece that we're having a lot of fun with on the social side is that social engagement with our tenants. We have worked really hard to, and I think I think a, a big, you know, you can hit it out of the park with the social piece with engaging with your tenants, hosting tenant events. Again, that's a little bit difficult with industrial tenants who are running shifts. We can't be pulling them out of buildings, but also pairing that with giving back to the community. So right now our charitable partner is Special Olympics for the year. That's Hiffman's charitable partner. So during the holidays, we will go out to industrial buildings and we will set boxes out for winter winter gloves and jackets and athletic equipment for um, Special Olympics athletes. And we'll and we'll get that from our tenants and we'll and we'll and we'll be able to kind of engage them in that S piece. So just a lot of again, I think we keep coming back to these creative solutions and it's 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 fun to have those conversations and work with our team and put new things in place every year. Yeah, no, it's super interesting. Like it's getting me going on like what what we can do as a firm and what what we can do to build into our practice uh, these components. It's definitely here to stay, and it's definitely extremely important. Um, we just set up like an AI task force to start trying to figure out how to use AI at the firm. I mean, there are people that are it's not starting. There are people that are already working on it, but we're formalizing that effort. And I was just wondering if if you all have been talking about AI and how you can use it. At, oh yes, at, it's been yeah, it's it's been a huge topic in in real estate and um, certainly a huge topic here at Hiffman. Um, so also on my team um, is we have a, a woman on my team who is dedicated to technology and implementation, and she also handles all of our training. So she she is really dialed. She's actually a software developer by background and has come over to real estate. So an interesting background, but she is looking into a lot of AI solutions that we here at Hiffman are actually starting to um, embed in our training. And I can't say too much more than that, but there are things that we are starting to use internally and take advantage of AI. Um, outside of outside of the internal piece, we are seeing it, it's everywhere. It's being sold to us as a lease administration tool that instead of, you know, having a team here abstracting leases and dissecting leases and what they mean, you know, you can put it into this AI tool and it bisects it and puts it into your accounting tool. Am I totally bought in on that yet? No, I think the human element of that is still super important, but it's same as ESG. It's almost like drinking out of a fire hose with everything coming that way. And you're there kind of filtering out, you know, what could work, what couldn't, and then really taking it back and thinking, what could we build on our own for our clients and our tenants and our employees that, you know, we can implement here. So that's another one that's definitely here to stay. Yeah, for sure. I, I totally agree with you on the lease abstracting and there's been software for for years. I've like looked at it it's never, and it's probably gotten much better with all the recent developments. But I, I will say it probably really helps get the process going because if you drop a 60 page lease on someone's desk and you're like abstract it like that's just kind of like a heavy 
mental lift to dive oh, yeah. into it. But if you run it through the AI and then you get a three-page, you know, report of what the key provisions are, and then you're just you're double checking it, and you have something to start from, you know, that really takes. I always say the hardest part of me drafting a document is just finding the old form and saving it to the new file. <laughs> and keeping it. Oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, that's that's the biggest part of the lease abstract process is keying it from one spot to another and making sure you're not miskeying. And I, I think we've had discussions just around that, that the AI piece can take away a, a good chunk of the work where then we can really make sure that the human element piece that's left, we're really making sure that we're, that, that that's crafted and we're using, you know, our lease admin team's expertise to really understand the, the protocols of the lease and make sure that that, that that's correct and is translating into the accounting system in the right way. So I, I do not think the AI is and robots are ever going to replace us here in commercial real estate. I think there's definitely the human element is definitely important. Um, but I think there's definitely some ways that we can implement it to find efficiencies and time savings that can then impact your bottom, your bottom line to the good. Well, is there anything else going on on your team that's uh, exciting that you're, you're working on right now? You know, I think right now we are, yeah, we're, it's it's all it's always budget season here, so we're 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 really focused on um on on training some of our newer folks on on budget season. Um, during budget season, we have a um, program that we call Hifman U here, at, and that we are already getting ready to roll out a new course for our for our greener folks. That is an internal course that we call Essentials here, um, and we're training. We're going to be training about 40 new people on eight different sessions to really to get them acclimated in commercial real estate and learn learn everything from the basics of property management to how to read a lease to risk management and understanding a COI and what that means to vendor relations. So we're getting ready to kick that off here in September, which I can't believe we're already in the second half of 2023. But that's our that's our biggest um, our biggest push right now, um, and that's. Again, part of our commitment of, of, of growing our people and to whatever they want to be um, and bringing it back to ESG. That's how we fulfill that, that S. You said that you were being strategic about which states you want to go into. How do you how do you do that? Does the, do the clients take you to a new state? Hey, you're doing great in Illinois. We'd love to have you service our Arizona properties. Or do you target a state that has opportunity, try to develop an office and then go get the work? How, how do you go about it? That's an interesting question. And it's one that, you know, we have lots of conversation around here too about what the right way is to go about that. So I can tell you that the way that we started is it was all purely organic growth that we were here in uh, Illinois, which is where we're based out here, Oak Brook Terrace. We were in Indiana, we were in Wisconsin, and then one of our clients wanted to take us to Philadelphia and along the East Coast. And we started, our clients really started taking us to these different states. And as we showed up in these different states that we already had other clients there, we let them know, hey, we're here and we're ready to service your assets. And we kind of began really building our business that way. Um, but yes, now we are at a point where um, we are ready to kind of look at, okay, we've got our flags planted in Tampa. We've got our flags planted in Houston. We've got a flag in Ohio. Um, and we've got a flag planted in Illinois. So that's where we have hub offices. And then we manage our properties out of those hub offices across our other 27 states. We're at a point now where I think we're being strategic on where is the best place to plant that next flag. Um, and we're looking at 
where do we have buildings that we kind of just need some more coverage? We need some more boots on the ground with, and where do we have clients that are, that have buildings that are close by in these areas that we can, you know, talk with them about, Hey, what if we partnered here? Um, so that's kind of the next, the next thing that we're looking at. We have a few places that we have our eye on, on the map. We haven't, we haven't picked one out yet, but still a little bit of strategy to go there and stay tuned. And I'm sure you'll see us, our flag pop up in, in another state soon. Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. What I like about this topic today is it's an evolving process. And I'm sure if we, if we were to have done this podcast six months from now, you'd have four more things that you'd like to talk about, about ESG and what you're doing. And, you know, a year from now, there'd be 10 more things. And so it's, it's really cool that you guys are on the forefront of this and have people dedicated that are passionate about it to, to moving it forward and providing that to your clients. So thanks very much for, for coming on the show and tell us about Hiffman National and we appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. This publication is intended for general information purposes only and does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. The listener should consult with legal counsel to determine how laws or decisions discussed herein apply to the listener's specific circumstances. 